Thanks for tuning in on our Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we pray you're encouraged by the message. Here's one that's going to help us understand the theme. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Now, I want you to notice that this, this is the scripture that you need to... Um, commit to memory when you go to Walmart once a week um, com- or DMV you know what I'm talking about you know it says bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the Lord forgave you then it says this in verse 14 and over all these virtues those are all good virtues but over all of them the banner over all of them is to put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Okay, that's the first scripture. It's going to help in our theme. Second one is this one. We might not like this one so much, but it's true. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and that perseverance finishes its work so that you may be mature complete and I love this last part and lacking nothing so wait a minute I need to go through trials uh oh so that I can feel sorry for myself so that I can lose my temper and anger and now have to go back to the person and ask for forgiveness that's hard to do no 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 it says when you face trials the purpose of it is so that you can mature but eventually so that you're lacking nothing now these two scriptures play into the theme if you've been reading with us this week every week I give you the reading for the next week plays into what we're talking about today so let me give you the title for this today just to kind of cheer it up in here okay title of today's message problems get better with friends some of you are like no they don't they do problems get better with friends catchphrase is is the right friends Uh oh would you bow your heads would you close your eyes father help in Jesus name and all God's people said amen you may be seated church thank you so much worship team thank you Omar thank you so much for leading us here today hey I've got about an hour sermon coming your guys' way so I want you just to get ready for the madness that's going to ensue uh, for an hour. I'm completely joking about that. You guys know me. I couldn't keep my attention for that long. However, I was really excited, and I'm telling you, excited about this passage of Scripture this week. Every single week, I'll do it at the end of the service. If I don't, somebody remind me, most likely Vanessa. But we talk about in the previous week the Scriptures that we're going to be talking about because we've been in this series on the title of Until That Day, meaning that until the day that Christ comes back or that we go to meet Him, and breathe all this breath on this earth and move forward, how is it that we are supposed to live our lives in such a way that we have influence on the lives of those around us? In other words, God did not create you just to fill space on this earth. How many of you guys are thankful for that? God, God didn't create you just to go to work from nine to five. How many of you guys are thankful for that? God, some of you need to get more like, oh man, right? God created you uh, for, for really for something that sometimes is far beyond anything we could imagine. 
And it's so far above anything that we can imagine that we don't take the time to get to that place where we can understand it. So we just live in this consistent state of, I'm just going to exist in life. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do the same thing and miss out on the opportunities and the power and the things that God would want to do in and through your life so that people could be influenced for the glory of God. We've said in this series that the reason this series matters is because eternity matters. Eternity is a very real thing. If you believe in a heaven, then there also is a, you guys said it, I did not, I'm just joking, there's a hell. You can't believe in one without the other. So eternity's real and your life is real. And where you spend your eternity is determined by the way upon which you live your life as a solid, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. But it's so good that God says this life is. It's so good that there's no way that you can keep it to yourself. So God would look at you and he would look at me and he would say, hey, why don't you live your life with influence until that day? Why don't you learn how to persevere through trials so that you can be mature and complete and lacking nothing until that day? The whole goal of this series was to look at a church that the Apostle Paul had spent some time in to discover that in the midst of difficult, difficult times and trials and persecution for believing in Jesus, that they actually thrived in such a way that the world knew about Jesus. In other words, I'm going to say this, they weren't the church who was complaining about two years of COVID and what it did to their church and all the things going off and how God can't redeem it. Got real quiet in here. At least that's the challenge that I face from time to time in my own mind. So what I'm saying is, is this example of a church, they show us these things that cause us to live our life in such a way that it's not always about us. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, it's not about you. And if you just said that to your spouse, that's on you. Just saying. So why does this series matter? It matters because eternity is real and eternity matters. Now, the goal upon which we're talking about today, which in our passage of scripture, there are really only two themes. Now you guys are going, you had me open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter two, verse 17. We haven't read it yet, but now you're telling me the theme. Yes, the theme of today's message and why it should matter to us are two things. Number one, it's friendship. We're going to see today that in this passage of Scripture, that friendship is the highly theme that Paul has with this church. The second thing we're going to see is the word that we don't like, and that's the word trials. What do we do when we're persecuted because of our faith, okay? So let's get right to it this morning. That's number one. Let's talk about friendship. Everyone say friendship. Amen. It helps me out so much when you do that. Now, what's fascinating to me about this idea of reading through these scriptures this week is the fact that the Apostle Paul spent such a limited amount of time in Thessalonica, Thessalonians, where we get that word, that he had such a deep relationship that when you read the verses and when you read even the verses that we read last week, you see that this man, which theologians believe, only spent three to six weeks with this group of people. The reason that we know that is if you go back to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 7, there's a guy by the name of Jason. He lived in Thessalonica. Matter of fact, in Acts, it was speaking when Paul was in Thessalonica, and he was there, and because of them proclaiming Christ and a bunch of religious people getting upset, the Bible says that literally Paul and his friends had to flee. 
So for three to six weeks, Paul spends time with these people, preaching the gospel to them, as we learned last week, living life with them, doing all of this stuff. And yet when you read the scriptures this week, you see that this man had a deep friendship with these people. Remember the words last week in chapter two, verse seven. But we were gentle among you, just as a, a nursing mother cherishes her own child. Verse eight, so affectionately longing for you. How does a guy who only spends three to six weeks with a group of people start to compare himself in a matter such like this? Why is it that a guy for three to six weeks who only spent time with them could be gone for so long and in every single letter and every single time that he checks up with Timothy, he's saying, I'm doing everything that I possibly can to get back to you. How is that? It's crazy to me. When I read it this week, I'm like, man, three to six weeks, like, have you ever hung out with someone for three to six weeks and then it's been years and you're like, who is that person again, right? But then I really started to think about it. I'm gonna go old school right here. How many guys were raised going to summer camps as teenagers, junior hires, show of hands? Okay, so I might say something that you might go, oh, that, yeah, that does make sense. Some of the greatest moments that I've ever had with the Lord took place in a place called Chico, California, which by the way, in the summertime is very hot. Why they would host a summer camp there, I have no idea. Really good in Easter time, really bad in summertime, especially when the only type of air conditioning you have is a swamp cooler. Many of you guys know that life right there. Unless you're sitting underneath that swamp cooler, it does nothing, right? If I go back to those camps, I could begin to list the names of people that I spent one week with over 20, Jesus, it's gonna be bad, over 25 years ago. Hey, knock it off now. In one week, we encountered God in a way that we never did. And all of a sudden, we were so bound together that to this day, 25 years later, if I was to walk into the room and see them, I guarantee you the first thing we would talk about is that one time when God got a hold of our lives at an altar call and radically changed us and it, it took our hearts and it jailed them together. When I read this passage this week, I couldn't understand how a guy for three to six weeks, again, they can't quite narrow it in, how he could have got so close to a group of people until God had to remind me, I've done the same thing in your life. And maybe for some of us, we've had that same thing happen too. And even sometimes not even in a spiritual sense, where we had an encounter with something or something took place and it just radically marked us and changed us. And I began to talk, or I began to think about how God can, in a moment, do something in and through our lives in just one moment and how we can begin to remember it. When we look at today's reading, we see this, this level of friendship that Paul has with these people. So now we're gonna to begin to just go down through these verses and I'm gonna show you these three things that the apostle Paul had which gave him such a deep friendship and appreciation to them. Now remember, I'm gonna answer the question of what do we need to know, which is what we're gonna do right here, and then I'm gonna bring it to you and I because the example that we see in Paul is the example that we need to follow right here as believers. The first thing we see is we see the apostle Paul's concern. This is how we know that he was highly affectionate for these people. He was consistently concerned about them. 
Chapter 2, verse 17. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan had hindered us. Now, what's taking place here is Paul had to go because of things happening, and he's going back to get all this, like, updates on how are these guys doing. Timothy, what's going on? We're going to see Timothy here in just a moment, but he's consistently concerned about him, and here's why he's concerned about them. He knows that if they confess Christ as Savior, that they're going to take heat for it, and he knows it. So while he's gone from them, he's concerned that some of them won't be able to endure the persecution and the trials that they face. And he knows how heavy it is because when you go to chapter 3, you see him use these words time and time again that he couldn't endure the persecution that was coming. His life being a consistent threat. So because that was on him, he's now concerned about them. And he's consistently that way. Now, we also see that it literally says, but Satan had hindered him. And many theologians would begin to go like, okay, well, what's that, what's that even mean? And there's really only two conclusions that you can come from when you go back to the book of Acts. And, and, you, and you start to understand, why was Paul really hindered on going back to Thessalonica? Surely he could just make a trip. The only two conclusions that you can draw from, from Scripture is, one, that it's a, that's a, it's a legal issue. Matter of fact, let me clean up my mistake from earlier. It wasn't Acts chapter 7, but it's Acts chapter 17, verse 9. When Paul was there in Thessalonica and he was preaching the gospel, all of a sudden this outrage began to happen because of what he was doing. And he was in a guy's house by the name of Jason, and it literally says that Paul and his men had to literally get out and get away because it got so hostile. Now, let's just pause here for a moment. Can you think of what that would feel like? I mean, we, listen, when, I mean this very respectfully, but when we as Christians, oh man, guys, make sure you smile at me, okay, on this one. When we say words like, as Christians in America, that we are persecuted because of our faith, I don't think we have a really, really good idea of what real persecution is. When you are preaching the gospel and you literally have to run out of town for your life, that's persecution. When having a Bible can get you killed, that's persecution. It's one thing when they try to come up against what we believe, and we're going to get to that, and try to come up from our morals and our values and try to attack that. Attacking and persecution for your life are different. So Paul here is like, look, man, it got so bad that we had to leave, and I haven't even been able to come back yet. Legality stuff. The, the, the other reason that Paul maybe couldn't have come back is because of his health. You guys maybe have heard the the conversations, if you like to geek out on church stuff, right, of the thorn in Paul's side. No one's been able to try to to, to quite figure out what exactly he means right there. It could have been that he was sick in body. It could be that he literally could not travel because of his health. Or it could also mean that he was also being spiritually attacked by the enemy. For whatever reason, we don't know the case of what it could be, but it had to be bad enough 
for him not to be able to go to these people. So imagine what he's feeling and imagine what he thinks the people in Thessalonica might be feeling. Because he was persecuted, he had to go, but they're still there. So he has this concern for them. Listen, I've got to let you guys, this is a Bible teaching series, right? So I have to help you understand this foundation before I can get to the place where I begin to tell you what your responsibility for it is. Because we have to apply this. The Bible can't mean today what it did not mean back then. So even in the midst of teaching you guys and walking through books of the Bible, it may seem like a classroom, which I know for even me, it's like, don't say that word. (laughs) I graduated. I moved on. I'm not going back, right? But you have to understand the Bible. So Paul is majorly concerned, but there's good news. We then see next the Apostle Paul's action. He goes from being concerned to moving into action. Let's go down to to, to chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure, this word's going to come up three times. When we could no longer endure it, we thought it to be good to be left in Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, the Apostle Paul's action. We sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, watch here, to establish you and encourage you concerning your, what's that word say? Faith. What was his concern in the first place? that they would walk away from their faith because of persecution. So what does he do? He moves into action. He says, okay, I can't get there, but I know a guy. Tim, Tim, he's our man. If he can do it, no one can. Why did I do it? Don't know. Came out, can't take it back. I love you, Daryl. So Tim goes. And what's his only job? To establish, encourage their faith. So he goes on, verse 3, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you, three to six weeks, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. For this reason, watch this again, when I could no longer endure it. Man, he must have been going through it. He's bringing it up again. I couldn't endure it. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. The concern that the Apostle Paul, which by the way, let me just say why I need to say the Apostle Paul every time. There was a person that attended our service, and I kept using the word Paul. And at the end of the service, I was like, hey, who's this Paul guy? I got to meet him. And I'm like, oh man, I got to do a better job of that. It's the Apostle Paul. Like this guy was looking, he thought he was in the church. He's like, I like this Paul guy. I mean, he's a really good dude. Okay, anyway, sorry, scroll a moment. So he sends Timothy. Why? Because he can't get there to him. And Timothy's task, again, was to strengthen and to encourage. In other words, his job was to continue what Paul started. That was Timothy's role. But notice it comes back to the action of the Apostle Paul. He's concerned, and he moves into action. All right, what else do we see in this chapter? So glad you asked. Thirdly, we see the Apostle Paul's relief and joy. Watch what happens here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us. In other words, that people are speaking well of Paul. Everyone likes being spoken good about, right? 
Nothing feels good when a person comes to you and says, man, you won't believe what so-and-so said about you. Uh Uh-oh. Therefore, brethren, in our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Verse 8, for now we live. This is good. I'm going to pause. They call it a pregnant pause in public speaking. I don't know why they call it a pregnant pause. Let me just pause here. For now we live. If you stand fast in the Lord. How much does the Apostle Paul care for this group of people? He literally says, because you're doing good, I can live. Now, I'm going to get this to you and I, but we need to understand this. That's friendship. That's friendship in a way that we don't see a lot today. In other words, that's so much concern for another person that when you find out they're doing good, when you find out they got victory in their life, it actually is good for them, but it does something for you. And where does that stem from? Being invested in them. Caring for one another. Loving one another. So that's the first thing that we see. Tremendous friendship. All right, the second one's a little bit shorter, and then I'll get to what we need to do about it. Number two, write this down. You gotta write down trials. The Apostle Paul says, here's the deal, guys. I've got deep friendship for you, but trials are gonna continue to come. Now, almost from the time that the Apostle Paul arrives in Thessalonica, the believers experience trials as a result of their conversion to Christianity. And Paul realizes that. Now, I want you to hear me. Everyone look at me real quick. Some of you, you know me, so you like know where I'm going before I get there, which I kind of take as a compliment, by the way. You might be thinking, cool, when he gets to the part about what I need to know, he's going to help me understand trials. But like the trials that we go through. But I'm not. Because the trials that Paul is speaking into has nothing to do with like the trials we face of our discipline. In other words, loving one another, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, having the right tone when we talk to one another, right? He's not talking about this here. He's actually talking about a persecution and a trial because of you and me believing what it is we believe as Christians. That's the trials he's speaking into. I'm going to get to this in a moment because this affects all of us. Paul is saying, understand deep friendship and understand you will face trials when you as a believer stand up for values and morals that stem from the Bible, not opinion, the Bible. Now you're saying, don't have much of that going on right now. Okay, hold on with me. But if you do, if you're, if you're mocked, if you're ridiculed, if you're put down, if you're neglected, if you're forgotten about because you take a stand for what this book believes, guess what? You're actually winning. I just had to put a winning thing to it because we live in California, okay? You're a winner. You should. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the fact that you should be put down? Oh, this is not fun, by the way. Okay. What does the scripture say in Corinthians? I'm going to go with this thought. Make it up on the fly. Here you go. You ready? 
If you're joining us for the first time, this is just how I kind of roll. Scriptures literally say, depending on the translation you read, that as believers, we are weird. Peculiar is actually the word. In the Greek, it means you're weird. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> like, it really does. I'm telling you, there's some interesting finds when you really dive into the Bible. I'm telling you. In other words, people will look at you like you're some from other world. And by the way, you are from another world. You've been since day one. Not even your day one. Before God formed you, he knew you. And I think it would be very beneficial for us to understand in this moment, as I just feel the Holy Spirit leading me, for us to be okay with the fact that when we believe what we believe, that we will not always be liked, we will not always be understood, and we will lose friendships over things, or people will distance us. And the great part is, is when that does happen, there's another side that God's going to perfect in you and I, and that's to love the people who disagree with us but you should be. When we get to the personal part of this message on the what do I need to do about it, we're going to see that. Because how many of you guys know, come on, let's just shoot straight in this, in this place. When we believe the Bible, to other people, we believe in stuff that people go, you believe in what? And we do. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's like, hey, when you stand up for this, this is how this is going to look. And because of it, you're going to face some trials, just like they were. In simpler terms, they were facing persecution for following the ways of Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus did the right things, and he was persecuted, and he was killed for it. Now, we might not be killed for it, but we will be persecuted for it. So it's with that said that we should realize that the same will happen to us even as it talks about in the Bible. When you stand for morals from God's word, criticized. When you stand for values from God's word, criticized. We have people in this room that have worked and work on that campus right over there that when they get told to sit in meetings that do and say things contrary to what we believe is the word of God and they speak up over it, they will tell you firsthand the level of pushback that they get for standing up for God's word. It is insane. One of them happens to be my wife. And she would tell me, what they would want the staff to believe and to say, and it was so contrary from God's word. And that's because the agenda, not just of universities, but of this world, is to take a Christian culture and to remove them and keep removing them and get them out. And when they stand up for something that is right, that is a moral, that is a bad, that stems from God's word, well, then they are, and you can just fill in the blank. That's what they're gonna do. And when it happens, can I just tell you, don't be surprised. Paul is literally saying this thousands of years ago. When you stand up for it, that's what's going to happen. So we see friendship and we see trials. Aren't we just encouraged to leave church today, right? Only if we left it right here. Let me answer this question. What's it mean for you and I? Okay. So what do we need to know about this last week's reading? We need to know about deep friendship and we need to know about trials. We need friendship. We're going to experience trials. So now what do we need to do about it? Very first one as, as Omar comes. Number one, 
is you need to go all in on friendship. This is the personal application. This is the part that you and I get to wrestle with here today, okay? If Paul was to say anything to us through this passage of Scripture, he would say this. It would be in your best benefit. It would be better for you if you would be the type of person that goes all in on friendship. Now, I know what you're thinking. I've done that before, and I've been hurt. I have too, and I'm sorry. I've done that before. I've put myself out there, but now they talk behind my back, or they didn't understand me. Okay, look here. So what? You say, Pastor Rich, that sounds insensitive. Hear me. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just saying I believe one of the ploys of the enemy when it comes to developing strong friendships, especially as Christian believers, one of the number one tricks of the enemy is the first time we face opposition or the first time that someone lets us down that we completely shut off for the rest of our lives. So let me make this clear. I'm not trying to say I don't care about you, that a person hurts you. I'm sorry for that. But I have never seen in this time, at least maybe God's highlighting it to me, Believers, not just only in our church, but other churches and friends that I know that are so lonely. And trust me, I understand I just put a lot of tension in this room. Sorry. I mean that. But I need you to wrestle with this. I'm not saying you have to have 50 million friends. I'm not saying that. But you do need to have friends. That's for the Apostle Paul to say the things that he's saying, he had to have put himself out there, right? So I'm, I guess I'm asking you the question when it comes to friendships, and listen, what do they say? If you have a handful of friends, you're successful. I mean, you can put whatever word successful, whatever, but it, if you could just count five good friends, good friends, Bible-believing friends that can pray the house down when things are falling apart, right? That can preach God's word to you when you're confused. If I could just find five people, there's not any trial I will ever face alone. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, as we read through these passages of scriptures and have to draw for them to find out what it is that we need to do, there is no way you can get beyond this idea that the Apostle Paul says, hey, look, friends matter. But yet we live in a time where people say they're lonely. Why are you lonely? Why are you? Can I just give, I think this is one of the reasons why I believe people are lonely. I've wrestled with this all week long. The reason we battle with loneliness is because we expect and we wait on people to come to us instead of us going to them. You say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm introverted. Okay, I get it. But yet in some way, shape, or form, 
there has to be a way of reaching out. And I'm still working on this even in myself, by the way. What, what does it look like to go after and to find friendships? I've got to keep my eyes open and my ears open. And you just begin to find people. And I know this could be another talk for another day because it has a lot of layers to it. And I understand that. And I can see it all over a lot of y'all's faces right now. Like where I even begin? Prayer. You need to start praying that God would send you the friends that you need. It starts with prayer. And then secondly, that you would have your eyes open and your ears open for a conversation or a moment where God begins to do those intricate things like you hear that what this person loves to do and you can fill in the blank and all of a sudden you're like, wait, so do I. Hey, you want to get together sometime? I know this sounds very like pinpointy, right? But I tell you what, some of the greatest friendships I have in my life right now are just by keeping my ears open and hearing things that they like to do that I like to do. And then we just started doing them. I guess what I'm saying is in some way, shape, or form, you need to go all in, all in, all in on friendships in some way to fight loneliness. Two, the Bible, what does the Bible say? It says two are better than one, right? So stop living life alone. That's all I'm saying. Like in some way, shape, or form, stop trying to do this thing on your own and go all in on friendships, okay? Number two, number two. And this one's, this one's good. I think it's good because it stems from the Bible. So therefore, I hope it's good. Number two is you have to have an answer for what you believe when going through trials or facing persecution. Now remember, we're not talking about like the things that we face in discipline in some way, shape, or form. We're talking about being persecuted for standing up for what it is you believe, which is the Bible. As America's society continues this transition from Christian to post-Christian culture, listen, those who seek to live in accordance with the gospel can expect to encounter all types of persecution. But I want you to take good heart in this, Romans 5, 3. And not only that, but we also, we glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance character and character hope now hope doesn't disappoint because the love of god has been poured out in our hearts by the holy spirit who was given to us the apostle paul knew that your strength and my strength would come through knowing what it is that we believe so let me just say this as i close if we find ourselves in life this is gonna sound really weird by the way I'm just going to throw this out there. But if we find ourselves not experiencing the types of trials that Paul is alluding to here, because remember, it's by persecution for what we believe. I'm not talking about the things that we struggle with. I'm talking about persecution for believing the Bible and being bold. If we find ourselves not experiencing the types of trials that Paul is alluding to, there are some possible reasons. First, we have isolated ourselves in a Christian subculture and we are too distant from unbelievers in society. And that is a hard pill to swallow. I, I know I'm taking some time here, but, but everyone hear my heart. In other words, we've put ourselves in the Christian bubble. We don't have any unbelievers in our lives that we're living life with. 
And while those Christian relationships are important and we need them, I guess my question to you is how are you putting yourself out there in your community or in your workplace where people know that you are a believer but you're not too distant from them? That's one of the first reasons that we're maybe not experiencing persecution in our lives, right? Which it sounds kind of weird for a person to say like me right now, like, hey, I'm trying to set you up so you can be persecuted in some way, shape, or form. Sounds really weird, huh? But it's true. Next, we're the beneficiaries of fortunate circumstances, but it's this third one that gets me. And it's the one that convicted me the most. And it might convict you too. But I think this one is right up there with it. You guys, you guys okay with me? Okay, because this might sting a little. Again, I'm talking about persecution because of what you believe. Some of you are sitting here and you're going, I'm not persecuted for anything I believe. Well, that's because you're in your bubble or this one. We're not really serious about our commitment to the gospel and its values. Ouch. This one's tough. Because we would all say, I'm serious about God. I don't think there's any person in this room. There's some faces I'm not too familiar with. But I don't think there's anybody in this room who says, oh, I just want to be mediocre with God. I think we all want a thriving relationship with God. Matter of fact, if you agree, can you just simply raise your hand so I know? Okay. We all do. Okay. But is your life orchestrated in a way that when the opportunity presents itself in a conversation, in a moment, that you are so serious about the gospel that when a value or a moral gets brought up and God starts to quicken your heart to where you know you need to speak up in this moment and stand for what you believe, are you willing to do so for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to do that? It's a hard part of the message here. Are you willing to stand for what you believe? If you believe in life, here it comes. If you believe in life of the unborn, are you willing to stand for that? And I mean this in love. Are you? It's a tough one for a lot of people, huh? But do you believe the Bible or do you not? And does the Bible interpret the Bible? Or do you like the Bible and a little bit of your opinion mixed with a little bit of what somebody else said? Sometimes as pastors, you have to say very hard truths. Do you believe in it? And listen, we can go down the line. We can go down the line of all the things that are being attacked for what it is that we believe. And my question to you is if the opportunity presents itself and God is actually wanting to use you to be the one to say, hey, you know what? I don't believe that to be true. I believe what God's word says. Are you willing to do that? We got college students in this room today.
some of them watching online right now. I checked before service. In the classroom, if God was to beckon on your heart to speak up, would you speak up? Because, friends, we need you to. This world needs you to. You never know when you're sitting in, a, in an area where you're standing up for your belief in Christ what it could do for the person sitting to the left or to the right of you. You'll never know. You'll never know the example of you standing up for the gospel. It, it will not only do inside of your life, but it will, what it will do in the lives of others around you. And I guess what I'm trying to get us all to a place to understand what, is that's what Paul is saying. He's saying you need to know what it is you believe why you believe it because you will need to give an answer for it and all of our lives need to reflect that i'm going to close a little bit different worship team don't worry about coming back i remember and some of you have heard me share this story a season a couple years ago where god was just giving me some opportunity with with i don't know powerful is the right word but known people in our community Congress people, government people. I don't know the proper word for that. Shows you why I probably am not good in that space. And I won't mention names, but we had a lady that was uh, in our city. Um, and she was our mayor at the time. And she liked what we were doing as a church during COVID and helping people with food and security and all those things. And um, I got invited to a lunch a couple times. And at first it was, hey, just want to be a part of what you guys are doing. Uh, I don't believe in what you believe in, is what she said. But, you know, I'd like to be a part of that. And, you know, I was like, that's fine. And I'll never forget the first time that we were doing our, our food giveaway over here. Um, I found out what that first meeting was really all about. Um, based on the people that came with her that day and what they were doing that day. I'm trying to be very respectful here. Um, and it just felt like agenda. And then the second time when I met, it became very apparent that it was agenda. So much so that because I wouldn't endorse her from our pulpit, that's an old school way of saying the stage, by the way, pulpit, I don't know, from the stage. She asked me if I would endorse her as a candidate for our city. And by the way, I, I don't do that for any candidate, whether I agree with them or whether I don't. I, I don't do that. I never will. Not from here, I won't. You're welcome to ask me in person. That's fine. doesn't mean I can't stand up for what I believe in, but that's actually not the place to do that. And so I told her, I can't do that. And she started a conversation of what she believed compared to what I believed. And it was in that moment that I was like, okay, well, I could kind of flirt the line here a little bit and be the, the cool pastor in town who's got it in with the important people. Or I could stand for what it is I believe in from the Bible and not do so. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but that day I was asked to give a question to what I believed about life in the womb what I believed about gender. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. And I can go down the list. I think you guys can feel the point, but just hear me very quickly. I say all of that to say that day I had to give 
an account to what it is I believed and why I believed it. And for some of us, we don't know what we fully believe. So I'm encouraging you as your pastor, right, as a friend, to be people of the Bible, to be people of prayer. If this chapter teaches us anything, we need to know the word of God. And we need to be bold about it. And we need to be able to give a reason for what it is that we believe what we believe. And it can't just be me to you. You have to have a relationship with God where you search the scriptures and therefore you have your answer. And then remember, don't be surprised that when you do, that you're persecuted for it. Expect it to come. I did not intend to end the service this way, by the way. This is where I feel the Holy Spirit leading me. And I feel like maybe some of us in this room, we're starting to get some clarification here on this, this idea of friendship and trials, but really more so, standing for God and his word. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 805-321-1357 or visit us at slow.canyonhills.com. Until next time, have a great day and be encouraged that God is with you and for you.